0: To season 1, Episode 6. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Shop, a podcast for the small business owner and entrepreneur. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Therese and I'm a small business mentor who work with business owners to grow their wholesale. In today's episode, I talk all about creating your product plan with Catherine Adley from Future Retail. Catherine is a business strategist who worked as a merchandiser for very big retailers such as paper chase laura ashley and coast having a product plan and continuing to develop products is essential when you want to grow your wholesale when planning out who i wanted to have as a guest on let's talk shop i knew i wanted to have a wide range of brand owners shop owners buyers and experts and you might have heard from some of them before but not necessarily talking about buying and selling and how to build a good relationship between the two. And I hope that you will take away some ideas on how you can grow your wholesale. I'm already planning out season two, which I will be recording this autumn. And if you want to be a guest and you're happy to talk about your wholesale or your buying experience, then please follow the link in the show notes to apply to be on the show. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to remind you to share where you are tuning in and to tag me at small underscore business underscore collaborative. I'd love to see where you are listening and it really helps other discover this podcast as well. So thank you very much for sharing. And uh, here's my talk with Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to Let's Talk Shop. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Catherine and I met earlier in the year as we're both part of Small and Mighty Co, a small business hub with lots of articles for product-based entrepreneurs. And in April, we ran our first workshop together at PR Dispatch about scaling your wholesale. That's right. So thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. You have so much knowledge and industry experience to share, and I'm happy that we also get to work together with some joint clients. do,
1: absolutely, yes. It's
0: so inspiring. I always come away feeling so inspired after our sessions. And (laughs) I hope the clients feel the same way. (laughs) Today, I wanted to talk to you about creating a product development plan for the year, which is something I feel is really important both from a retail point of view and from a wholesale point of view. Absolutely. And uh, before we get into that, I thought it would be great
1: if you can introduce yourself and what you do. Sure, absolutely. Hi everyone, my name is Catherine Edley. I am a retail strategist and I work with independent brands and retailers to make them more organised and help them make more money and my background is corporate retail so i spent nearly 18 years in the in various different high street retailers and my role there was always in the merchandising team which is one of the three product teams that are central to a larger retailer so the other two are the buying team and the design team who are responsible for the commercial and the creative elements of getting amazing product. The merchandising team is responsible for making those creative ideas make money. So my role was very much to do with strategy, to do with planning, to do with forecasting, stock control, as well as everything to do with where to send the stock, how much to buy, what to do with it if it didn't sell. Uh, So very strategic, very much based in numbers. But also very much taking into account the product needs and the brand needs of the overall business. That's great, thank
0: you. So let's get to it. So maybe first you can start off by explaining what a product plan is and why it's important to have one. Yes,
1: absolutely. So a product plan is quite simply it's a plan of when you're going to launch your product. So it is a question of mapping out across the year what exactly it is that you want to launch and when you want to launch it. So it is really useful because it helps give you a bird's eye view of your year, helps you look at when you're going to have other major, major things in the business that are going to impact your ability to develop products. For example, if it's Christmas is coming up and you know that's a really busy time for you, um, or whether or not you've got trade shows coming up, so you won't be able to develop products during those times. So by looking at your whole year, you're able to identify the quieter times or the times when you are going to be able to concentrate on things like getting new suppliers, coming up with new designs, new ideas. And if you map out your product development plan, then you can put in the dates you want various different things to launch. And it helps you with all kinds of different things from PR to your marketing plan. So ideally, you should be tying your product development plan together with other plans for your business. So for example, your content plan, or your, uh, certainly your wholesale plan as well.
0: Do you think that it's important for... Is that something a business should have from the beginning or something
1: that you might implement a bit further down the line? I think it's something it should definitely have from the beginning because it's very easy to focus on the fact that if you're trying to launch a brand or product or a, or a retailer, there, it's very easy to get caught up in the idea that, you right, I've got to get off the ground, I've got to get started. So it all becomes very fixed about right what's my you know what am I starting with what's my first product but actually really almost by the time you've got those developed and and onto the shop floor or onto your website you almost you need to already be thinking about what's coming next or equally it might be about the fact that you know you want to launch with a certain range of products but then you've got to be thinking about when am I going to promote these one by one so they each kind of get their turn in the spotlight and you also want to be thinking really already about when you're going to be replacing them
0: yeah it's quite i guess it's a good way to get organized what when in the time like when do you do it do you it doesn't matter do you do it in january every year do you do it rolling
1: How, how do you get started i think a roll it should really be a rolling thing i think that you would want to really ideally you'd want to be mapping out 12 or even 18 months ahead 18 months is actually probably quite a good time to to plan out ahead because depending on how long it takes you to have to develop things depending on your product area you might have testing for example um you might have to be manufacturing things in the far east in which case you could have 12 weeks production and four-week shipping, it, all these different things. So the further out you plan it, if you plan it, say, 18 months out, then that gives you the opportunity to get really far ahead of yourself so you don't have these last-minute rushes where you think, oh, do you know what, I really wanted to you know, create a Christmas range, but actually I've left it too late. Um, and in terms of – I would definitely suggest reviewing it quarterly. I think you, it's something that you need – it should be a working document that you're constantly in, constantly looking at to get a sense of where you should be, where you should be at the critical path of various different launches. But I think that have getting into the habit of once a quarter reviewing what you've got coming up in the next six months and then adding another quarter onto the end of the 18 months, if that makes sense. I think that's a good... Uh, discipline to get into as well
0: that that sounds very sensible and i guess it will help you plan out your cash flow and knowing when you, you need money to buy those products in
1: and things like that yeah totally it depends i mean if you're buying product in from a from a third party on a wholesale basis for example if you're an independent retailer you can work a lot closer to you don't necessarily need 18 months but you still have to think about okay if i want to refresh my shop floor in september you've got to think about, right, well, when do I need to be talking to my suppliers about their new range? And uh, yeah, certainly it can help you understand when you're going to have these big buys.
0: And I guess they would also have to think about what key dates happen during those that time because they're going to keep that range in for a while. So if you are selecting new products in February, for example, for your independent shop, I guess you have to also plan that you're going to have to be able to feature something for Mother's Day and Father's Day potentially. Yes,
1: yes. Val-
0: Valentine's. Valentine's
1: Day. <laughs> yes of course
0: <laughs> yes so where do you then start to get this all together what where is a good place to
1: get started well i think that it's always good to work backwards so i would think first off about when do you want to have a new stock coming in so is it for example that you want to have a christmas launch It could be if you're a wedding brand that actually, you know, January or a health and wellness brand that might be January is your big launch, like new year, new you type thing. Um, So think about your customer. Think about when they're going to be most active and when, therefore, you want to be prepared for those peak selling periods. So you'd want to definitely have a launch uh, for peak selling period. And so I would just literally start by... You know, I usually use an Excel spreadsheet or a Google uh, sheet, something like that. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can use a piece of paper and a pen to start. If, you, if you're if you very visual and you just need to map it out, then just get a big blank piece of paper and start just write all the months for the next 18 months. And then just start thinking about like one of the big things in your business, right? When do I need to have a Christmas launch? And also, I would also say as well, one thing that's very important to think about is if you are a brand and you have, say, a bread and butter range. Think about when you want to refresh it or entirely replace it. So by that, I mean, if you're a brand and you take a really large percentage of your sales off certain products or certain product type, then you would want to think about, OK, when am, how long am I going to run that for? So, for example, if you're a stationery brand and you have a range of stationery that is a certain pattern, and that's like your real core thing that you're known for. Okay, so when are you going to bring in new patterns? When are you going to start replacing some ones that aren't selling and bringing newness? So you want to start thinking about the best time to think about replacing your best sellers is while the best sellers are still selling really well. You don't want to wait for them to start dying down, uh, which they all will, even you know things that your absolute best best sellers after a certain period of time, people will start to, to want something new so the best time to plan that replacement is well in advance of that actually happening because chances are when it happens if you've not got anything in the pipeline you might start to panic and it's very hard to think creatively when you're panicking
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I think that what we used to do when we were doing stage in companies where I've worked where we've done stationery would try like a new colorway or a new design or pattern if you will in say five to ten SKUs first. So products and then the yes. next season if that was popular we would just put it on more things to to kind of keep that yeah. pattern going for a bit longer and then yeah once that's sort of on its maximum that's when you know you have the next lot of patterns coming in to replace it
1: yes so you- and that is why you need newness because you want to find your new best sellers You want to find the things that are going to take over from the real bread and butter. So, for example, I used to work for a clothing company, and every year they would run a trial of six black trousers and they would trial the same fabric but in six different cuts. And then they would run tests on which one would perform the best. And then the one that had performed the best became the next season's black trouser. Oh, so, I never so, noticed so, this. <laughs> thing you know because black trousers was a really big part of their department huh. so whatever it is for your business if so, you know if you're sitting there and you've got a t-shirt business and um you know you have a particular slogan or a particular design that is your out and out bestseller you need to be planning in when you're going to start if not fully replacing it then when you can start trialing replacements you want to trial you're trying to find things that sell better than your best sellers and you want to be doing it in such a time that you can react to it and get those new ones that newness in because humans are a bit like magpies they always eventually will want something new and it's not like you have to always reinvent the wheel but it's a dangerous position to be in. I think in a small creative business to be having the same thing be your bestseller for more than I'd say a year, eighteen months.
0: Yeah, a trend used to be much well live much longer, didn't it? But now it's so
1: quick. Yeah, and even if it's not that you're a trend led business, even if it's just you know, even if your business is more well, I mean, everybody's business is really is affected by trends is to some degree i really believe that but even if you're not a say a fashion business you even if you're a home business or you know a, a clothing business that, that's not fashion you know it's, even if you don't think to yourself oh it's all to do with my product is to do with trends then over time over a year 18 months people will just start looking for the next new thing so they'll you know they'll come back and look at your website again or into the shop or, or whatever else it is so you need to be always thinking. One of the things you should definitely be mapping out is like, what are my what are my biggest chunks of cash coming from, and when am I going to replace them? That sounds good. And I guess you, when you look at key dates,
0: I guess you have to include things like Chinese New Year and definitely, yeah. that sort of thing too. And I, I think if you're manufacturing in Italy,
1: August gets pretty quiet. <laughs> oh, yeah, they just shut down. Yes, yeah, they just totally shut down. And in the u k as well often u k manufacturers will take time off for August or Christmas is the other one as well, so that 's why I mean that you should always work backwards so for example let's say obviously as well, if you are a brand that that goes to trade shows that um or works around the wholesale calendar as well, you have to be really clear about that because you may have you may have a launch when the product is going to go live on your website, but then you also have to think about when is it going to be shown to wholesalers for the first time. see so let's say that you decide that you're going to have your brand new range ready to go in January. So you're going to have new products that are going to be there for a trade show in January. So then what you'd have to do is you'd have to work backwards. Okay, so how long do I need to photograph these to put into my wholesale brochure? Okay, well, let's allow four weeks. And always, always add in more time than you think you need. There's always delays. (laughs) (laughs) There's always delays. Don't think to yourself, oh, if i push them i can get it in two weeks give yourself four weeks so you would then work back okay so right if the photography has to be ready okay maybe i need to build in an extra week because the photographer's not going to be working over christmas so really i need the sample the beginning of december which and i only want to photograph the finished production okay so if the production has to be with me in december to be photographed okay when does it need to leave i mean if it's china you know <laughs> it's got to leave china like four or five weeks before that if it's going by sea you know so you work backwards from that okay so it's it's an eight week production time all right so i'll go back two more months so now we're kind of september august okay so if it's going to go into production in august i need to have agreed the sample you know you keep going backwards and backwards sometimes what happens is you realize you should have done everything six weeks ago
0: yeah (laughs) and then you try to save time somewhere or it's hard because it doesn't always work out very well
1: no it is hard but if you've done that now then okay so even january you might find you're behind but actually then if you know that you're going to have another launch in say may for another trade show may then then you can go okay well actually i know now i've got to start in september for the product i want to launch in may so it's always good to really work backwards so so basically start with a blank piece of paper or a spreadsheet however you like to work map out your months map out the key events for your business think about you know wholesale launches think about big key selling events uh gift giving if that's your business you know the big gift giving occasions kind of work work out when you want to be launching new products for whatever reason it might be that's appropriate for your business and then start working backwards and factor in anything that's going to add extra time like chinese new year to the shipping delays or or shut down in august or you know so it may be that if you for example you've done this exercise and you for january and you were manufacturing in italy you'd have to as you said factor in that they're shut for the whole of august so actually you need them to start producing in july you know so it just all of that work allows you to hopefully be a little bit more you know well planned out fewer fire drills more creative thinking time, because that's probably one of the the things that people forget to factor in. But really, ideally, if you could give yourself a few days for inspiration out of the office, walking around the shops, walking around trade shows, going to museums, galleries, you know, just seeing different things. And helping you be a bit more inspired rather than just kind of going oh my god i need a new range what am i going to do
0: yeah and i think that's so important too if you're wholesaling and you're selling into retailers you should be visiting those retailers and think about it already i know that their range won't be the same as you know say 12 months down the line but you should be thinking about where does my products currently sit what is sitting alongside them what brands are there what seems to be working well and what do I, you know what can continue to do well what dare are new to develop new and stuff so that you have that so you already because you want to it's easier to sell to an existing customer than to sell to a brand new customer
1: yeah absolutely and i think is i mean the ideal situation would be at the very beginning so if you work this all the way back however many weeks it is i mean if you're a big retailer you're working on things over a year in advance it's usually a year from the, to go all the way through the process to go through the design stage and then the manufacturing to get it into the, you know all of those things but uh, i mean the ideal situation is if you if you have sat down and planned out your product your, your product development plan is that the beginning part of it should be that you give yourself at least a day where you go right, you step back a bit, you say what's selling, what's not selling, what am I actually making decent profit on? Okay, who looks great at the moment? Go to walk around the shops, visit your own stockists if you if you currently got stockists, visit the ones you'd like to be stocked in. Yeah, <laughs> think about what they're doing visit the aspirational ones visit the you know the people who are just doing retail the best of the best you know just kind of go be inspired see something different and then sit down and think right okay what do i want and give yourself the time to do that and you'll always get a much better result than if you just suddenly in september kind of go oh my oh my goodness i need something new for january i've got no time right what can i you know what can i possibly scramble together <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's so important to get the plan down because if you want to sell to retailers and large retailers, for example, you almost have to work even further in advance. So, yes, you know, if you're selling to independent boutiques, it's okay to launch your, say, winter fragrances, for example, at the September shows. But if you're going to be dealing with larger retailers, then you might want to launch them actually in the January, February
1: shows. January, yeah. And that's a really hard one. I think that's a tough one to get your head around as a small business but there are really two customers working on two different timescales and then there's all the people in between and then there's sometimes the big retailers will have a bit of extra cash that they can splurge on a, some last minute purchases or you know sometimes they they'll keep some money back just to see what's new at the September shows and then there are the independents who are very organized who are buying well ahead in advance as well so it's It's quite a challenge, I think, if you're a small business to really anticipate those needs. But I guess the answer to that is get your stuff ready for the earliest customer. And then you've got Yeah.
0: And just because you're launching it at a trade show doesn't mean that you're launching it to the general public. No, not at all. No, no. And um, actually, sometimes it's enough to have good production samples or even pre-production samples with certain product types. Yeah. For the show, and that you actually go into production later.
1: Yes, and in, in fact, in an absolute ideal world, you wouldn't go into production until you you know you open your order book for a certain amount of time, take your orders close them and go into production for the amount that you've had ordered I mean it's not generally that neat anymore but it used to be that's the way it always worked so uh,
0: that is such a dreamy scenario though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was before people started buying it, it multiple different cycles <laughs> yes
0: and now you know I in my career I sold a lot to fashion chains and you worked with at the fashion chains. And I feel like they started buying, you know, the cut dates used to be pretty okay for getting stock in. It would be like, if they haven't ordered and replenished by November, we were okay. And we can focus on the independents. Yeah. But now, I think they buy all the way up to December sometimes. Sometimes mid-December, even for large retailers. And
1: that is scramble, because large retail orders take a while to prepare <laughs> So it's, it's I guess, be ready, be ready as soon as you can. And then, yeah, as you said, even if it's that you get your samples done and you don't do your production till later. But And if
0: you ha- if you are more of a, you know, in-house production team, say you do uh, soy wax candles and you hand pour them yourself, but it's still something that you can scale. I suppose, you know, you really don't have to actually launch it until you've had orders, which is quite nice. So what when you do look at your product development plan would you recommend developing more designs and and colorways of your best sellers first or more product types is there any sort of guidelines on it i don't know
1: yeah so yeah so that that's always the the question isn't it could you do more with your existing bestsellers I think it's always worth trying to milk your best sellers um, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, especially if it's a shape that works well and, you know, often if you're manufacturing, you pay a lot of money to create new product types with prototypes and things like that. So there is definitely something to be said for if you've got a shape that works well and you can update the design or the details or something about it to make it look new and fresh, then definitely I think that should be your first port of call. I don't know that you can really sort of put a a limit against like a formula against it I think that you have to think about there's probably one of those things that people that especially very creative people tend to get bored of something before their customer does yes yeah that
0: is true and from (laughs) a sales point of view we didn't get bored we were like give us more but the production team were like no we're moving on we're
1: moving on so i I think actually probably the most important thing is is for you to understand why the product was a bestseller in the first place. So for example, if you had a, well, let's use candles then as another example. So let's say you had a candle and it was just, it was a great price point. It was a great, you know, the the, the packaging looked great. The story of the brand looked, was great. Then absolutely that could support some additional some new fragrances some new types of candles to to work off that existing range there's no reason why you have to go away and do something completely different but if something was a bestseller let's say um you know snakeskin had a real moment this year so you had a product that was a snakes that was snakeskin and it just was really on trend at the right time and you sold tons of it well clearly doing snake skin again next season when it's kind of every going to be either over it and onto something else or just everywhere and everyone's a bit sick of it then then you you don't want to repeat that so i think it's very important that the first really the first thing you want to do is understand why something's a bestseller so what is it that the customer really liked about it and therefore do you need to do more of it because it's just it just works really well it's a great you know if it's stationary maybe it's the paper's really premium and the customer loves that it's lay flat binding or, or you know, the card stock is just really beautiful and they're just really responding to the fact that it's hand-foiled or, or anything like that, then work with that and do more of, basically do more of what the customer's loving. Um, and then once you, I think once you've exhausted that, then you should always really, I think, have something a bit new and different that's more than just a new color or a new design of an existing bestseller. You want to always be pushing that boundary, always be experimenting, bringing something in. But it's it's kind of like a calculated risk. It might be that you say, right, 80% of my range, for example, is going to be real bankers. They're going to be like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be, this is an update of an existing bestseller. I understand why the customer loved it. We're giving the customer more of what they love. But then you kind of want to have twenty percent, maybe, that is just a bit different, a bit out, um, either a bit out there or a new product type that you've not tried before, because that's how you move a brand on. If you do eighty percent totally new, untried, then that's a bit, that's a bit scary, <laughs> and, and also a huge amount of work, because that means you're going to be spending the majority of your time totally going back to the drawing board with your supply chain, with your product, you know, development, and all of those kind of things. So you don't want to really go out there and bring in eighty percent of newness and twenty and just do twenty percent repeats or updates. You kind of want to flip it the other way so you think right well i am pretty sure I've covered the bulk of my sales, and then this twenty percent we don't really know it's either going to be, well obviously you only want to bring in things that you think are going to be amazing but you you know if you've <laughs> if you've not tried that product area before you don't you'll you'll know less about it you'll know less about whether the customer wants to buy it from you whether whether you've got the price point right, whether you've got the just the it's just unknown. So I would say I'd say i I'd say take risks, but take small risks <laughs> once you, once you've covered yourself for the you know, majority of your sales.
0: Yeah, I think and it also means that it's much easier to sell so if you are selling to retailers it's much easier to sell something that worked last season but an updated version of it yeah and then you have the exciting new bits that you can get really excited about in the meeting as well
1: absolutely it's a great balance it's saying i'm looking forward i'm not resting on my laurels i'm trying new things but at the same time um Um, you know, and your retailers will know. They'll look at it and they'll go, "Oh, that's the so-and-so notebook with a new cover," or the, you know, like, Mm. "Oh, how lovely! You've changed the hardware on this pouch to be, you know, different metal, or, you know, you've added different elements, or you've updated it somehow so it's new and it's fresh."
0: Yeah, I think diaries and planners is one of those things. Like, I actually, as a consumer. Don't want my diary or planner to change, apart from you know the cover or like the color yes. of the um, spiral or whatever. Yes. I, I want the actual pages to be the same. If they change, I get confused.
1: <laughs> yes, well, it's funny that because people get very devoted to. Sorry, going off topic, but people get very devoted to their diary layout, and yeah. uh, that's a big challenge in buying diaries year and year. Is how do you move it on without suddenly getting someone saying but I only like day view and then some people will say well I only like week to view and it's really it's a funny one yeah Maybe a very it's like they go for diary layout first and then they think about everything else
0: yeah I, I, I if I'm looking for a new diary I have to go and open all of them to see which one I like and then I have to look oh which one is pretty <laughs> yes 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 um but yeah no i found my planner now so i don't need to do this anymore (laughs) but but, uh, you know that used to be a struggle (laughs) so is there anything else that we haven't discussed about your product plan that you think should be added
1: i think um the only thing i'd add is that your product plan should really involve you also thinking about how you exit out of products that are no longer working so ideally speaking if you're bringing in new products you're not just layering on top because that's how you end up with a very big stock holding you should be doing a review where you look at what's not working you drop the bottom ones out and you bring the new ones in so that you're kind of keeping a flow of flow of stock through the business rather than it just having loads of stock and layering it on top of each other so you know that, that does mean managing clearance events not masses of them by any stretch of the imagination to maybe for a year depending on if you do a mid-season sale um and short and sharp clearing out old stock to make way for new and it is a, a real challenge especially as a small business owners you have put your own personal money into purchasing the stock so it's It's a very personal thing that you bought the stock, and it can create people this feeling that okay, well, I've paid for it, but I can't, I don't want to sell it at this price because I really won't be making much money on it. But I think you have to think about it as a necessary evil. You buy the stock to the best of your ability to understand how much you think you need in the business, and then there will always, always be things that don't sell for millions of different reasons, and you just have to you know take that on the chin clear it through
0: yeah and I think you really need to look at your actual figures not what you (laughs) think you are packing a lot because that is usually it doesn't always match up you might think something is a bestseller because it gets a lot of attraction like it gets a lot of you know you go to a show or a fair or something a lot of people pick it up and talk to you about it yeah that doesn't mean it's a bestseller no uh so i think it's when you look, review your stock i think it's really important to actually do that with your business hat on and not your heart
1: absolutely and you know the, that's the thing is again kind of going back to that whole 8020 rule about newness and risk and it's great to have a few products that aren't going to be volume sellers that are going to be there to make people talk to you or as they call them a shopper stopper so you know that kind of product that makes people stop and go what's that and they may not actually buy it but if it gets them to talk to you then that's fine it's done its job just don't buy hundreds of them you know just buy those really small quantities of the press pieces the pr pieces things that are a bit unusual and different that's all fine it's just don't try and invest massive amounts unless they are actually your best sellers you know
0: yeah fashion is a good example of that they they always put quite out there pieces on the catwalk for example right Yes. but yes. actually when you go into that brand store that's not where yes. they you have spent their uh, money
1: no and it's like everyone buys well not everyone but you know like people buy chanel perfume who would never buy chanel anything else right so it's kind of but they only buy that perfume because of the the brand because of the catwalk ultimately the catwalk glamour filtering down to everything else that they do but so it's i mean that's an extreme example but it's just sort of to say that that you can have those wow pieces just don't sink all of your money into them make sure that you you're balancing that off with the kind of real the volume pieces and um yeah and and just think about clearing them if they don't sell
0: yeah i guess you have to make sure when you do your product plan that you have varied uh like a varied range of prices and retail prices in there so that you have your sort of entry level price points and then your mid-range and then your slightly higher value items
1: Right. Yes. I mean, it depends on the size of your range. If you've got a really small range, it can be hard to achieve that. Sometimes it's just about knowing yeah. your price positioning and sitting there. But yeah, absolutely. If you've got a bigger range, it's great to have those sort of uh, the sort of entry level price point and then your mid price and then your exit or your aspirational.
0: Yeah, I think with stationery, we always had to have you know like the greeting cards and like kind of card packs and then A five notebooks and then maybe a chunker notebook and stuff so that. You can kind of have an upsell within the range. Yes, absolutely. Um. So yeah. Well, I think that I don't have anything else to add to that. Do you?
1: No, not really. It's just, uh, yeah. It's um. I mean, product development is the fun bit, really, isn't it? It's you know, it's like the the bit that I think. A lot of people are drawn to when it comes to having a product business um, and you know coming up with new product ideas is definitely the most fun and seeing those samples arriving and all of the rest of it it's, it's really exciting it's just managing it out and planning it and getting that bird's eye view so that you can sedate it you can do it in an in a way that allows you to not be rushed yeah absolutely
0: and i think one thing i didn't say was that you know your the direct consumer might be difficult sometimes to get feedback from unless you're at the market and you're physically in front of them but with your wholesale customers they are great like a great source of feedback you know they know what's selling in their shops and where they're spending their money so although they can't share detailed information about from other companies and other suppliers you know asking them and even like the really good loyal ones to preview things to them so that your risk is yeah. smaller. I think, you know, you can use your retail customers, you know, to help you with your product development to a certain degree. Obviously, you can't overwhelm them and give them too much um you know, if you talk to them and then 18 months later the product come out, they might be bored at it. But, but you know, if you have a hard time deciding, deciding between two patterns, for example, your right. wholesale customers are great for that. I think.
1: Yes, and I'm sure they'd be delighted to be asked
0: because who doesn't love being asked their opinion? Yeah, because we all love product development if we're yes. in product you know we're in a product (laughs) industry so it really excites us all yes absolutely i think using that is a good way and it's really relationship building too yes so (laughs) so then finally can you tell me a brand that deserves a shout out a retailer that you think is getting it right and your latest product find that you think will be big for autumn
1: yeah, absolutely. So a brand that deserves a shout out. Um, I, I've i been thinking about this and I would have to say one of my clients is a brand called Arende, which is A-E-R-E-N-D-E. They're an ethical homewares brand. And what I really like about the, them is that I think the way that the retail industry is moving now is that, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot, but conscious consumerism, people don't want to buy as much stuff. They want to buy stuff that is doing good, that has meaning, And Emily, who runs the brand, is very, very conscious of that and, in fact, works not just to ethically produce her products, but actually work with social impact projects so that the people who are making her products are also benefiting from the making process. And I think that that is something that is only going to increase. I think, you know, in terms of what's going to be big this autumn, I think we're just going to see more and more of recycled I've seen you know cards made from coffee cups coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, I think that we're just gonna see more and more of these products that are being made from repurposed um waste and I think that's gonna be a huge trend. And I think also just this uh idea that um you know that, that the products they it's almost not just that they're that they're ethically produced but actually that they're beneficial that they're reducing waste somehow or benefiting people somehow and i think that that's that's what's just going to get more and more important to the consumer as we as we move on through the year
0: absolutely and I, I i'm it just makes me really excited that it's not just saying you're a sustainable brand you're actually trying to take it even one step further that's exciting isn't it
1: yes absolutely and I think people are getting wise to the idea of greenwashing so I think the big brands actually in a way are finding it much harder to really convince people that they are doing you know they are working on these big initiatives whereas the smaller brands are able to just get on with it and you know um send everything I got something today from a small brand in a compostable mailer bag so you know they're using compostable packaging they use they're really thinking about all of these elements um in and they're just a, a lot of them are i think are doing a much better job than the big retailers of communicating that with their customers
0: yeah i completely agree and do you think that what retailer do you think is getting it right though like what retailer do you get excited about right now
1: well i think the one that i always come back to um is lush because i think that they are a great example of there's I mean they're they you know they've, they're well established now but they still seem to manage to be kind of a very forward thinking and what I really like about them is that they are the epitome of people who don't greenwash They they really like their beliefs go all the way through their business and um, I remember talking to one of the people responsible for their new stores and he was telling me how when they were laying their floor they discovered that the solvent they were using to stick down the floor tiles was tested on animals. So they halted ah. production of the new, they just stopped production, you know, construction of the new store. And they said, right, we have to stop, <laughs> stop using this and find another one. And, and I just think that that's, I'm not sure that there are many big businesses that would take that decision. To, you know commercial decision to stop production no. to stop construction but for them because they are built on you know no animal testing and um you know i think that they're a great example of a business that has it really baked into them that they do you know that they don't just pay lip service to this stuff they really have it kind of all the way through the business and i think that that's that's pretty inspiring considering how big they've got
0: absolutely i think that's a great story i'm gonna to have to go and look up that <laughs> uh, but also what we'll, i'll do is i'll put the links to everyone in the show notes so that you, um, so you can get a little bit of a shout out so you can find them afterwards Wonderful. And then thank you so much, Catherine, for taking the oh, time. And um I really enjoyed chatting with you. And before I let you go, would you tell us how people can
1: find you and connect with you? Absolutely. So I'm on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram and Twitter at Future Retail UK. So all one word, Future Retail UK and also i have a facebook group it has nearly 700 people in it at the moment which is very exciting so that is female founders in retail and that is 700 women with product businesses it's a really great group lots of support lots of people exchanging ideas and inspiration So, yeah, and also futureretail.world is my website (laughs) as well. And you can find out more about working with me one-to-one. Absolutely.
0: And I'll I'll put all those links in as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and for sharing some of your expertise. And thank you, everyone who are listening. I really, really appreciate it. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, me and Catherine also work with some clients together. And we have just put together a small presentation with some talking points that will come up at this autumn's trade show. This is to help you make sure that you have meaningful conversations at your stand. And if it's something that you are interested in, then please get in touch and we will happily share that with you. If you're a bit further down the line with your business journey and you feel you need some help to grow your business further, We offer full strategy days where we will review all your figures, sales materials, stockings and we will help you develop a plan for your growth. Alternatively, we also can work with clients on more of an ongoing support basis. So if you are interested in working with us, then do get in touch and we can take it from there. I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast and thank you so much for taking some time to rate and review it. It he really helps others discover the podcast too. I will be back next Monday when I will be talking to a another brand owner. Have a really good week.